Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Uh, when we took on this series for December, we just entitled it capital letters, Jesus Christ. When I came out last, uh, what was it, week, and we started this, and I just spoke that name, I think some of you thought I was swearing. Because it does sound like it in these days. It's a name that has been given more dishonor than honor. But as a Christian, this is our fundamental practice in life, is to live out into our lives to glorify this name. And that means that we live it out in taking the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now let's understand the Christmas story a little better and that's what we started last week. We talked about Jesus Christ, the king. You see, the thing about being the king is Jesus always has been the king. You never made him the king. He is the king. He was king before the world was ever created. In fact, it's through this king that the world was created. So Jesus Christ has always had that position, that role. But what we're going to talk about today, it was a role he chose. He wasn't always this way. He chose this role. So this was his chosen role. The other is just who he is. It's just who he is. Now the magic of this is to understand that this king that has always been king chooses to become a man, a human. We're going to read some of the scriptures from his birth and just to refresh ourselves. As we read some of these familiar scriptures, I hope it's not like, you know, you get bored with this story over and over again. It's sort of like, how many here get bored driving to Jasper three times a year? Anybody get bored doing that? Oh, no. No, no. You can't get bored there. You see the mountains and it's just like, wow. Wow. How many here uh, get bored uh, driving uh, or flying to the ocean, usually somewhere warm, and standing on the seashore and looking out and just watch the waves come in and hear them and the sun and how are you doing out there? So how many get bored with that? How many get bored with the beauty that you find around you all of the time and you disconnect or maybe we just get bored because we lose the specialness that it's created with. When we talk about Jesus today in this light, I want you to hear it as if you were going to the ocean for the first time, you're seeing the mountains for the first time, you're seeing the beauty which you can absorb that you just haven't had that soul breath for a long time. Take it in today because he's absolutely stunningly beautiful. Listen to the story in Matthew chapter one, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. You know how phenomenal that phrase is? This is how the birth of Jesus Christ, the king, the king, the arrival of the king took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man because he didn't want to humiliate her. He decided to call off their engagement quietly As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child she carries was conceived 
by the Holy Spirit. This is direct intervention into history. This is the most historically shaping event of all time. Nothing can come close to this. Not even on the same scale. Not even on the same page. Not even in the same universe. This is the most outstanding piece of information that you could possibly receive that God has come into flesh the Holy Spirit has conceived in the womb of a woman placed the seed of God to be born in this planet flesh, bone, blood listen to the rest of the story she will give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus This is a very common name, but it's a name in him that is fully fulfilled. Jesus means savior. In the the Hebrew, the name was Joshua or Jehoshua. It just means the same thing. Savior, deliverer. Jesus Christ is our anointed Messiah, king, deliverer, savior. So he is going to be named savior. He will fully carry out what that name means means. It goes on and it says, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And then we see this parenthesis. Emmanuel means God with us. We can lose the beauty of that statement. God is with you. Even if you're not with him, he is with you. God is ever present. He is ever there to make a connection with us. I love the next verse, and we're gonna read it too in Luke 19, 10. It says, the human one came to seek and to save the lost. If you ever want to know why Jesus came, it's all in that one little wee verse right there. The human one. Now that's an interesting word. Human. You and I understand that word. Human. When we think of human, we use it this way. Here's how you and I use the word human. We say, well, I'm just human. I've got all these kinds of mistakes and flaws and I'm just human. Jesus Christ was born human, but without any of the flaws, any of any, any unrighteousness, no inherited sin, Jesus Christ brought his own righteousness into humanity. He became human. What does that mean? Flush, bone, blood. And he lived and walked amongst us. Now, you might think, well, okay, what's the big deal about that? The big deal about that is now God has become one of us so that he might save us. Because it's only as one of us that he could become the savior, fulfill the name that he was given in Jesus. This is a powerful, powerful truth when we remember what he has done for us. One more, Romans 3.25 says this. For God presented Jesus. Why did... Why did God send Jesus? Why did the Son of God come? God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. We just sang a beautiful song. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You're right, it is. Why is it beautiful? Because it's his human name. 
And he came to seek and to save the lost. And God presented him as our sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This is an interesting statement because when it comes to religion in this world, it's all a bunch of add-ons. When man gets involved in creating his own religion, he's always adding on and he always adds on only the strengths that he feels he he has. The fact is, is that this is not a new religion. In, In fact, in the definition of how man looks at religion, this is not religion. This is love. This is plan. This is purpose. This is call. This is strategy. He actually became flesh so that he could die. Now, we talked about his appearances in history before he was born. But these were not where he took on flesh in the sense of being born. He just came and appeared in a flesh so that he could have a conversation or bring the message. Or That was the, what we call Christophanies. This is where he becomes human. Human. You and I are usually trying to go the other way. Every science fiction movie tries to take us beyond just being human. Do you remember Spock? He was tormented. He was half human and half, what was it? Thank you, I knew you knew. See, the fact is, is that a lot of, a lot of science fiction is if you watch the storylines, It's human becoming something else. When we talk about Christ, he's the opposite. He becomes human so that he can actually become our savior. It's a powerful thought. And it's all by the blood. No add-ons, not man-created. It is one thing that saves. One thing that, seek, that, that saves the lost people. It is the blood of Jesus. It is one thing that has brought you the gift of eternal life. It is his, he is the sacrifice for your sin. God sent him to be so. He sent him to bleed. He sent him to die. He sent him to go to hell and get back the keys to hell and death. He sent him that he might put all other dominions that were established by our sin back under full control so that you and I because of his authority can be saved saved what a word see he was born a lamb See, the lamb was something that they used to use in the Old Testament sacrifices and the lamb was there so that the blood would be shed and it would be looking forward to the Messiah and his work that would be coming. But the lamb would be shed to appease God and and for the nation it was done like for a year. So they used to once a year have this great big ceremony. The high priest would take a perfect specimen lamb They would slay it. He would take that blood into the Holy of Holies where the mercy seat was in the tabernacle, sprinkle that on the mercy seat, and it would be good for one year. It was sort of of this idea of of, the payment's coming. This is just proof that there is a real payment coming later. Jesus Christ was that payment. 
He established the, the animal sacrifices in the Jewish nation to point to his own work, but it wasn't his work. It was to point to his work. Jesus Christ, the Lamb. He does three things for us, actually. Number one, the Lamb rescues me. He rescues me. Now, we're going to take a look at three stories in Luke 15 to illustrate three things that Jesus the Lamb does. And the first story is about a shepherd that lost a sheep. He had a hundred sheep. He lost one. Most of you know this story or have heard it. In that story, as he counts them and they're put back into their safety of their paddock, he sees he's missing one. And so he closes up the paddock, secures it, and then he goes on a search. What did Jesus Christ come to do? Seek and save the lost. So he goes on a search, and Jesus is telling the story. And that search is for that one. The 99 are already safe. He's not searching for them. His focus is not even on the 99. They're safe. His focus is on that one. And you say one. See, often in the Christian church, we kind of don't realize that once you're safe in the paddock, Jesus still is focused on those outside. This is the mission. This is the call. This is the work of Jesus to seek and to save the lost. That's why Bethlehem. That's why he was born to die. That's why he put it all in so that he could actually save us so that he could rescue us. Listen to this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Whoa. Do you know that's how God feels about your coming home? When you came home to Jesus, believer, when you responded and you came to Christ, he literally threw a party. There was a joy in heaven. There was a party in heaven over you. And we can't overstate this. It's repeated again and again. 99 others are righteous. They haven't strayed away. But he sure has a party over that one that returns to him. Amazing. Christmas. Christmas. Then we come to another one. For there's one God and one mediator. I'm in 1 Timothy 2.5. One God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man. This is the word today. Human. The man, Christ Jesus. There is no more statement of God's love for you personally as the one than God coming in flesh, sending his son, Jesus. That is the biggest statement of love that you could possibly have and the biggest affirmation of your own value. That God has come to seek and to save you. And when you returned home, there was a party. But there's only one mediator. 
In Timothy 2.6, it says, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. I've come to purchase freedom for everybody, to be saved. That might be a little strange word for you. We'll get there. In Psalm 50.15, it says, then call on me when you are in trouble and I will rescue you and you will give me glory. He's talking to us and he's saying, I will rescue you, not just your soul, but I will rescue you over and over and over. Believer, how many times have you called on him? Rescue you. Second thing that he does for us is the lamb recovers me. He recovers me. Now he tells a second story about a woman who has 10 silver coins. Let's read it. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. I mean, when he repeats himself immediately, one story, two story. And then three to come. And they're all ending the same way. They're all going the same direction. What's he stating? It's pretty powerful that Jesus Christ is saying to you over and over again, I've come to seek the lost. I have called on you if you've responded you are safe there has been a party we are still rejoicing in your decision we're still rejoicing that you came home he recovers me another scripture is found in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28 it says come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life not only does he recover you to heaven and eternal life he recovers your soul he says and you'll recover your life I'll show you how to take a real rest he's saying I'll recover you here if you're soul weary if you're broken down if you're going through a long list of of things at this season right now remind yourself that the lamb recovers me the lamb has come for me he has sought me he has found me i have come home and now he recovers me over and over and over again joel 2:25 is another great scripture on this that the lord recovers me I will give you back what you lost in the years when swarms of locusts ate your crops. He's talking about a plague of locusts. And it's a story that basically says that locusts come, they gather, you know what they are, they're just grasshoppers. But they will clean out miles and miles and miles and miles of crop. There are still plagues of locusts that hit regions of our planet, one of them being Africa. Plagues of locusts. Ethiopia just experienced one this last year. Locusts. You've had locusts hit you. You might have had emotional locusts hit you. He says, you might have been devastated. Your family might have gone through a locust swarm. It's devastated it. It's devastated the fruit, the crop. It's taken everything. 
He says, I will recover that. I will give you back what you lost in the years when swarms of locusts ate your crop. You may have lost your your job, your business. You may have lost your health. He's saying, I will give you back what you lost in the years when swarms of locusts ate your crops. He recovers me. He doesn't just go out there and then forget about you. Once you've come home. Now he engages you into his work and into his plan and his goodness is yours every day. Third work that he does for us, the lamb, is he reconnects me. And he tells the third story on this. And you know this story. And it's a long one. So I just have pulled one scripture from it because it has to do with the reconnection. In Luke 15, 20, this is the prodigal son story. This is the young son that said, hey, I just want my stuff now and I'm going to go. So he reconnects me. This is the return in Luke 15, 20. So he got up and started back to his father. He was still a long way from home. Catch that. When his father saw him, his heart was filled with pity and he ran through his arms around his son and kissed him. This is the father's response to you coming home, waking up, saying this isn't what I want. Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 18 says, anyone who connects to Christ becomes a new person. The past is forgotten and everything becomes new. God has done it all. It's by his blood. It's blood, it's only blood. He sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. Christ came and made peace, how? By the shed blood, the broken body. That's it. You just have to believe in that. You know, you might not even feel like it. This is what's amazing about salvation. You might not have all, oh, I should feel something dramatic. I should have some kind of dramatic turn in in feeling about this. Or we're looking to somehow try to scale it, the meaning of it, to somehow the emotional response to it. When actually he's saying it's a statement of belief. It's a statement of faith. It's faith and belief in the blood of Christ because he treats it like a legal transaction. He says this, you, your sins are paid for. You don't belong in my courtroom. You are in the palace. You are out of the courtroom. You are in the palace. My son went to your court case. My son took his blood to your courtroom and he paid the price. You come to the palace. He reconnects us only through the blood. He makes peace between God and us, between himself and us, only through the blood. Romans 5, 2 says we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he's already thrown open his door to us. He's already thrown his door open to you. If you're thinking, man, I have just messed up so bad. And by the way, Christians, you can get into this kind of a mess and and, and be completely off base in your response to the work of Christ. Somehow thinking that you've disappointed him to such a level that there's no way that you could possibly have this new connection and this new creature in you that somehow this connection is broken in such a way as never to be restored. Somehow that I have done something that has put me back on the other side. I've gone from the palace back to the courtroom. 
No. The blood. When you have put your trust in Christ as the Lamb of God, your Lamb, to take away your sin by his own shed blood, you stand in a place of sonship, daughtership with God. You've been moved from the courtroom to the palace. It's not yet that. You have been moved. There is nothing that changes that. You say, but I've done some pretty bad things. I'm really inconsistent. I've, listen, he paid it all. You're a new creation. You're a new creature. Let's get your, let's get your bad list. It's Christmas, okay. Better be good for goodness sake, right? Let's get your bad list. You got your bad list? Santa's got your bad list, okay. That tells you that Santa's not a type of Jesus, okay? He doesn't have your bad list. That bad list is paid for, Christian. It is done. If you're not even a believer in Jesus, it's been done. It's time you accept his gift. It's time that you accepted it God's way, what salvation really is. Why would you stay disconnected from the Father when it's simply a belief in the work of the shed blood of Christ? Don't lose your footing, Christian. Don't lose your security because of your history or today or yesterday. You are firmly planted in the palace by the blood of Christ. He reconnects you. Beautiful message in that. Another scripture is found in 2 Corinthians 6.2. God says, at the right time, I heard your prayers on the day of salvation, I helped you. He does it all. So when does a lamb do his work? When does this work actually happen? When does it work in our life? Well, we have that story in this prodigal son. It's when I get, number one, when I get fed up with my life. When I just get fed up with my life and I look at my life and I say, this is not going anywhere near where I want it to be. It's getting emptier, not fuller. Fear is going up. Anxiety is a big part of my life now. I've lost the optimism of my youth. I now have the pessimism of my years. When are you going to get fed up with it? It took this young son some time. He was the second. Youngest born. And he left home with what the father gave him when he gave him his portion. It says he wasted it all. Just wasted it. In Luke 15, 13 through 14 and 70, it says he wasted it all. He had nothing left. He got desperate and hungry. He finally came to a census. Sometimes that's not just coming to Christ. Sometimes that's us understanding that we need to act like God's sons when we are Christians. We need to understand we are literally in his family. And that the Father will always be consistent in his grace and his love and mercy towards us. But you and I can get lost 
in sort of this idea that somehow, you know, we've got to add or we failed too bad or whatever it is. You got to get fed up with your life. Isn't that the same in any change? Isn't that the same in a marriage? You finally have to get fed up with the way things aren't say enough. We got we to make this better. With your finances, uh, just fed up with this. And then change can start happening. With even your health and your strength, you just get fed up with it. You say, that's it. Time to actually get back into some workouts. When we get fed up, when we had enough, this isn't good enough. That's what happened with this young son. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, God says this, he says, you'll find me when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. Another scripture says, we use this one, I've heard it through the years, used in a way it shouldn't be, but God will give you the desires of your heart. He's talking about that, this kind of principle right here. When you get serious about finding him and you want it more than anything else, you'll do it. You know, if I was to take your head and hold your head underwater and you're bobbing for apples, but I got my head on you, it won't be long and your arms start flailing and you're going to get really desperate and you're going to start to actually move harder and harder because you want oxygen in your lungs. And God is saying, when you want me that bad, you'll find me. How bad do you really want God? How bad do you want him in your tomorrow, Monday? How bad do you want him in your family? How bad do you want him in your financial challenges? How bad do you want him in the way that you look at your life or at the ministry or the stewardship of the things of your life? How bad do you really want God's presence with you today? How bad? Because God is as close to you as you are as close to God. As close as you want him to be. He comes to his senses. The second thing, the lamb starts doing his work when I get fed up with my life and I own up. I just own up to my sin. Luke 15, 17 through 18, when he came to his senses, he said, I have sinned against God and you. So he comes to his senses. He comes home and he says to his father, I have, and, and he's saying, this is what I will say. I'm going to say, I have sinned against God and you. He's saying, I get it now. I get it. I was hard before. The ears weren't working. They were deaf. The heart couldn't receive my truth. But today, I'm owning up. I see it, God. I see it. How could I have missed the obvious? I have sinned against you. And dad, you. Isaiah 59, 2 says, but your wrongs have separated you from God. And your sins have made him hide his face so that he doesn't hear you. Psalm 51 one says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the, sin, the stain of my sin. I gotta stop on that one for a sec because you see that one is something where it is sort of the, the oxyclean verse of the Bible. Do you remember oxyclean? They'll get anything out. It's gonna leave a bleached path, but that's okay. It's going to get anything out. He's saying there is nothing, nothing in your life 
that the blood of Christ does not cleanse. And he brings up, you have your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sin. This is David, by the way. Do you know what David did? Committed adultery, killed a man. Pretty serious stuff. And he continues and he says, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. See that word I recognize? I I recognize it, I own it. I own up, I own up, I own up. This just haunts me day and night, I see it, God. You won't let me be, like you keep bringing it to me and and you let a little rain come my way and if I don't, you know, get out of the weather and deal with it, then you let a little of that rain get a little heavier and then it gets a little heavier and then you, then Lord, you might throw a storm in and it's gonna be vicious, but God, you are trying to get my attention because you love me and you don't want me sitting in this morass. You're wanting to lift me out of that. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. He's in total agreement with God. He's saying, you're right. Everything I did is right. You're absolutely perfectly right on all of this all the way through. And I have been so off. And I have, I have not recognized it or owned up. But right now I'm owning up. Oh, there's, there's change. I get fed up. I own up. just continues with that one but we'll skip to another verse right now the third thing he does is he is that we offer up myself not only do we need to just get fed up or own up we need to offer up what do we mean by offer up well here's how this story goes with this young son he left saying here's where the words on his lips give me my share Do you know that that is on the words of every person's lips in this world? Give me my share. Give me. Give me, give me, give me. But when he returned to his father, here were the words on his lips. Make me a servant. Make me. Not give me. Make me. And make me a servant. Powerful change. Transformation. Metamorphosis. Worm. Caterpillar. Becoming a butterfly. Going through a metamorphosis that you see this one thing crawl into that cocoon as it spins it and out comes this beautiful thing. And it's like, how did that happen? This is the greatest pull the rabbit out of the hat thing in nature. You got a worm goes in, builds a cocoon around himself, and out comes a gorgeous butterfly. How does that work? It's called metamorphosis. It morphs. It changes. That's what happened with the sun. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. There's a word. Metamorphosized. I don't even know if that's a word. 
By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have you been transformed? Are you transforming? Are you stuck in that relationship? Are you transforming? Are you stuck in that problem? Are you stuck in that addiction? Are you stuck over here in this habit? Where are you stuck? What needs to go in the worm and come out the butterfly? What needs to change that DNA order? How does it have to have, uh, what in your life has to have that kind of change? It might be all kinds of things. But you know, this is a process that God is working in your life and he will continue to work Christian to make you like Jesus Christ. He's gonna work for the rest of your life to make you like Christ. That beautiful butterfly. He's not stopping. You may. But he'll still pour on the rain. He's still going to call you back. He's still going to look down the road and wait for the return. He's still going to be watching for you so that he can show you, I'm not quit. I'm right here. It is so good to see you. I'm so glad, I'm so glad that you're back here. Let's, uh, hey, let's bring out the best robe we got here. Let's recover everything for this kid. I want the ring on his finger. I want sandals on his, on his feet. I want this kid uh, looked after. Get, get the party ready. Let's get that fattened calf, and which today is worth $4,000. And get that fattened calf because we're having a party. Don't stop when you're under pressures in your faith. Christmas is this message. We have a lamb. It's all paid for. He will be there to rescue you, to recover you, to reconnect you. Just offer yourself up. And finally, lift up my praise. I lift up my praise. You bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Party. Why is Christmas a party? It's a celebration. Why is it a celebration? Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, why is it a celebration? My lamb has arrived. And God knows I need a lamb. And because he's arrived, it's party time. It's not just a party in heaven. It's a party here. Do you know why there should be joy in the house of God? Because our lamb has arrived. Do you know why there should be joy in your household even in the most difficult times? Because your lamb has arrived. He has come. The king has come to be the lamb. He has become human so that his blood could be shed, his life could be placed in the courtroom, he could stand in the docket for you and say, I am here because they are guilty and I am paying the price. My life will be given in their place. Justice will be satisfied. But my holiness and my righteousness will be given as a gift to them and establish them in the palace way over on the other side of town. 
oh, he's the lamb. It's amazing. It's absolutely stunning. Jesus Christ, the lamb. And guess what we have in front of us today? Communion. Do you know what this is? This is the table of the Lord. It is actually a celebration. It's a moment of celebration. Yes, we do reflection. Yes, it's a good time for us to search our hearts and to make sure that our lives are God-honoring and to be honest and forthright with him, to own up, to get, you know, not allow the stuff like, like, like just get sick of the way things are, right? And then just kind of own up to stuff and say, okay, get it right, God. Just to always be reflective in that regards. But that is the quick thing so that our lives are not being held back. So that our lives are glorifying God. So that we stand firm on the ground of grace provided by shed blood. That doesn't change for me. Now, I come to the celebration the lamb has arrived. And when you receive Jesus Christ as your savior, when you accept Christ into your life, when you open up your heart to Christ, you are opening up your heart to the work of Christ on the cross where the blood did run down and where your sin was paid for. You have left a courtroom. You are leaving the courtroom behind you. You are moving into the palace. Quit living, Christian, like you're still always returning to the courtroom. That is a slap against the work of Jesus. We are children of his palace. We come and we celebrate the blood of Jesus Christ which paid for every sin, none excluded. It's the only way that it can be. I am celebrating that he became human. so that I might become his child, eternal. Would you stand with me, please? If you're here and you've never received Christ as your savior, why? You say, I believe there's a God. Well, why do you believe that? Why? Today, it's not that there's just a God. The Bible says even the demons believe there's a God. In fact, they know firsthand. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the son of the living God? Have you placed your faith only upon him and his shed blood for your salvation? Have you called upon his name for the remission of your own sins because his blood ran down the cross for your sins? Have you received the work of Jesus Christ? And are you Christian now resting upon that work, not going back and forth to the courtroom? but learning how to live in the palace. Because that's where the blood places you.
Unbelievable. So when you hear that this Christmas, oh yeah, Jesus, we celebrate, yeah. God became man. Hold it. Stop. Just stop right there. That was the catalyst. That was the beginning of the work to take you out of the courtroom. There's no other way to escape the courtroom. You have a docket date. It's Jesus. Don't have a Christian faith that's undefined and not specific and not upon Jesus and his work. He is God in the flesh. He came and became our lamb. He died on the cross for our sins. He took us out of the courtroom. He's come to rescue you. So if you've never done that today, why not? Because it is your belief in the blood of Christ that saves you. That's it. Nothing else. Do you believe in the blood of Jesus Christ? Became human to shed his blood. We read exactly that. Oh, Lord. Let's bow our heads together. If you've never received Christ, you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, here's a moment in time. Because it's just belief. It's faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. You just need to pray a prayer that just simply acknowledges who Jesus is acknowledges who you are and you need to receive Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's a legal transaction in heaven and then there is a partay. Because his voice has been calling you for a long time. So respond to it today in the quietness of your own heart. Here's a prayer you can borrow from me if you like and you might say, Jesus Christ. I recognize you are the king. But I recognize that you became human to die for me and my sins on the cross. I recognize by the shedding of your blood I am made right with the Father, with you. I am made right I am taken out of the courtroom. My date in that courtroom is canceled. So Jesus Christ, I place my faith, my belief, my trust that you are the Son of God, that you died for me, that your shedding of your blood is payment complete for all of and any of sin that I have in my life. And now, Lord, I accept this, I receive it, and I put my trust in Jesus. He is now my Savior. In Jesus' most great name, I pray this.
Christian, a little prayer for you before communion together. I don't know why, Lord, but I'm going to pray this, Lord, and they may borrow it, but it's so easy to just in my own practice of my faith return to the courtroom all the time. I recognize in the scriptures, Lord, that many times you tell us not to do this, that we're no longer under condemnation. Today, Lord, I just notch up my faith in the blood of Jesus. If I look at myself, I'm always going to feel like I'm entering the courtroom. But every time I look at you, Jesus, I see a courtroom door closed and a palace gate open and my space in that palace reserved. I see my place in your household. And I thank you. Forgive me for not partying enough in my life for the goodness of Jesus. Bless these elements, Lord, as we celebrate your work on our behalf. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.